Good afternoon, everyone. Welcome once again. As I say, I always enjoy uh, that warm uh, chatter when our guests are enjoying one another's company, and that is one of the biggest uh, pluses and one of the things, again, we take most pride in in the Canadian Club is to welcome you all here and give you the opportunity to sit with one another and uh, enjoy one another's company. So good afternoon, everyone. Now I'd like you to join me in welcoming our television and webcast viewers. And again, my name is Danny Asaf and have the pleasure of serving as the president of the Canadian Club of Toronto and would like to again extend all of you a very warm welcome on behalf of the Canadian Club. Thank you again for taking time from your busy schedules, in particular on this weekend uh, prior to, uh, to Family Day and being here uh, to uh, take part in this great discussion that will be led by Mr. Brian Porter. And for us, for over 119 years, the Canadian Club has been proud to provide a very closely guarded, nonpartisan platform for the open exchange of ideas by leaders in every realm on the issues that matter most to us in our day-to-day -day lives. Through our programs and our events, including our youth and young leaders programs, our diversity partnerships, our joint events, and our media and social media opportunities, we have always been a place where leading political, business, and social figures from here and abroad could come and share their perspectives with us. Before I introduce today's speaker, I would like to take the opportunity, if you indulge me, to tell you a little bit about some of our exciting future events. On February 16th, next Tuesday, Amanda Lang, along with the Right Honorable Paul Martin, David Rosenberg, and the Honorable Michael Wilson, who's here with us today. He's going to be sick of me by Tuesday. And also, I just want to correct the record. Michael, I want to proudly say, was also a former director of the Canadian Club in Toronto, so a very good example uh, for us to follow today. We'll be involved and speak on an exciting new initiative we have at the Canadian Club of Toronto called the Canada 150 Series. In this series, we'll launch a discussion and an exploration of how we can all work together to ensure that Canada is as strong on its 200th birthday and economically relevant as it is on the eve of its 150th birthday. So we hope you can join us. As well, on February 16th, 17th, we're proud to host Jean-Pierre Blay, chairman of the Canadian Radio, Television and Telecommunications Commission, the CRTC, and he will tell us how to stay informed in connection with TV news in this world of change and change in the media and the disruption it's facing. To order more tickets or to learn more about events, our events, please join us and uh, look us up at canadianclub.org. And you can also join the conversation uh, via hashtag at CDNCLBTO. I would like to take a moment also to express a special thanks to today's sponsors, EY, Scotiabank, and Tories LLP. Thank you very much for your generous support. And I would like to also thank Air Canada for its support as our official airline sponsor for this season. I would also like to take a moment to recognize a group of youth and young leaders who are with us today, and that is the DECA Club from David and Mary Thompson Collegiate Institute. If you could stand uh, here, are they here? And they are sponsored by Green Soil Building Innovation Fund. Thank you.
Now, it's my pleasure to introduce our guest speaker. And before I uh, turn over the podium to him, just a few words of introduction to him and the topic. So, clearly in today's uh, world of turmoil, we see markets sway from one end of the spectrum to the other. There are multiple predictions about where the Canadian economy is going to go. Depending on your perspective, the year has been off to a great start, a slow start, or been steady. Falling oil prices, a devalued dollar, have obviously contributed to all of our unease. So what do we do in these times of economic uncertainty? Where do we go? I am sure that question is posed daily to our speaker almost on a regular basis. He has been with Scotiabank, Canada's third largest and most international bank for his entire 35-year professional career. To say that he is well-versed in responding to economic volatility would be an understatement, given that he served as Scotiabank's chief risk officer during the financial crisis. He later served as group head of international banking in 2010, and in 2012, he was appointed president of Scotiabank, and the following year he assumed the role of chief executive officer. Despite his hectic and relentless schedule, he contributes to also contribute to industry and philanthropic organizations. For example, he's a board member of the newly renamed Business Council of Canada. Also participates in the, as a member of the Institute of International Finance based in Washington, D.C., the IIF, and also the Council of the Americas. And here in Toronto, at home, he's a board trustee of the University Health Network. Ladies and gentlemen, we are delighted that you have taken time from your schedule to join us today, and a pleasure to turn over the podium of the Canadian Club of Toronto, Mr. Brian Porter. Thank you very much. I'm just going to take one more picture. Thank you, Danny, for that very kind introduction, and thanks to all of you for a very warm welcome. I'm pleased to be here today. Early last week, Larry Fink, Chief Executive Officer of BlackRock, the largest global investment manager, wrote a letter to CEOs of the world's leading companies. His message was direct and simple. Instead of focusing on quarterly results, companies and investors should focus on the longer term. I like the letter a lot. I shared it with our board of directors and the entire management team at Scotiabank. Implementing a smart, forward-looking strategy is exactly what we're doing to build an even better bank. Long-term thinking is important for all companies. And I would also argue it's important for all levels of government, especially during these volatile times. With that in mind, I'm grateful to the Canadian Club for the opportunity to firstly articulate Scotiabank's forward-looking vision to build an even better bank, and secondly, highlight the need for smart policies that will deliver longer-term growth for Canada. Let me begin by setting the scene. It's been nearly a decade since the world was first struck by the global financial crisis, and the global economy is still feeling tremors. Today, we're seeing a fundamental disconnect between financial markets and the real economy. 
This disconnect is unsettling and threatens business and consumer confidence. First, let's talk about some of the dynamics that are driving markets today. In the case of oil, prices are being driven by geopolitical factors now more than ever. This is creating widespread market disruption. In the case of central banks and governments, they are reacting to sluggish growth in a number of ways, including fiscal stimulus, quantitative easing, and negative interest rates. These policies, particularly negative interest rates, are challenging for commercial banks, which act as important shock absorbers and help help to stimulate and support economic growth. Market uncertainty is also driving a sharp flight to quality as investors are seeking safety in government bonds, with levels of demand we have not seen for decades. The combination of these factors has led to significant volatility in very skittish markets. Business leaders and consumers see all of this, which is then amplified by the media, with dire warnings and premature talk of recession. This only fuels a negative cycle. Canadians see oil at $27 a barrel. They see the dollar that has fallen to its lowest level in a decade. Over time, confidence can erode and consumers stop spending. Businesses don't invest in new plant and equipment. They don't hire new employees. And because businesses are not taking steps to grow and innovate, economic activity can deteriorate. This slowing cycle only fuels anxiety and the cycle continues. Here's the interesting thing. You would never know it by watching global financial markets over the past two months but the real economy is actually growing, albeit modestly. Earlier this week, I was in New York and Detroit talking to some of Scotiabank's customers with operations throughout North America and around the world. They told me their businesses were performing quite well. They're investing in their businesses. They're investing in technology. And yes, they're hiring new employees. And on average, they were feeling pretty optimistic about the future, as long as they weren't watching TV or their screen. <laughs> there is also evidence that Canada's economy is slowly pivoting and becoming more diversified, and there are good things going on in our export economy. I believe industry and governments can help to accelerate Canada's economic transition by investing in innovation, spending smartly, and boosting competitiveness. It's important we look beyond today's uncertainty and take action to position our businesses and our country for future success. At Scotiabank, we're working to position the bank for success through our own strategic agenda. Our agenda sets out a comprehensive plan to build an even better bank in the current economy and over the long term. Through the digitization of the bank, we are reducing pain points for our customers to consistently deliver an excellent customer experience. This is happening in many ways across the bank and is reflected in our new purpose statement. As part of our commitment to act digitally and think digitally, we recently unveiled our new purpose statement through an interactive online discussion with our nearly 90,000 employees. This statement is a powerful mechanism that galvanizes all Scotia bankers 
around a common belief. And it is, we believe that every customer has the right to become better off. This strengthened belief is influencing every decision we make at the bank. For example, when it comes to online and mobile banking, our objective is to give our customers the best experience there is anywhere. We're investing in our employees and building a stronger leadership team, one that better reflects the diversity of our customer and our employee base. We're making investments in new channels, digital capabilities, and productivity improvements, all aimed at becoming low-cost by design. Finally, we're shifting our business mix to build deeper relationships with our customers. As a case in point, we've made very good progress in growing our own payments business here in Canada, and the majority of our growth has been with our existing Scotiabank customers. Each of these priorities is critical to our long-term success. But today, in the interest of time, I will expand on only one, and that is our digital transformation. The ever-quickening pace of technological development is having a profound impact on all industries and all economies. To keep pace with these developments, we've been doing some exciting things at the bank. To begin, back in 2012, we had the foresight to acquire ING Direct Canada, which is now Tangerine. This ranks as the largest acquisition in our corporate history, and I believe it is one of our most important. It started as a direct savings bank with a small number of products and tremendous potential. We're expanding Tangerine to become a direct, everyday bank with a broad suite of digital products that are innovative and consumer-driven. For example, we're particularly excited about interactive voice recognition, an innovation that allows us to authenticate our customers' voice simply and quickly, just by hearing their voice over the phone. In a few seconds of normal conversation between a customer and our contact center, we can authenticate the customer without the need of banking pins, passwords, and security questions. At the same time, we reduce the potential for fraud. Our customers win, and Scotiabank wins. These type of innovations demonstrate why Tangerine is widely recognized for its leading customer experience. In fact, over the last several years, Tangerine has topped J.D. Power's ranking in customer satisfaction among all Canadian banks. I'm pleased to tell you that Tangerine's reputation for convenient everyday banking extends beyond Canada's borders. On a recent European business trip, I overheard a couple of global banking executives who had traveled to Canada, and they were talking about Tangerine. They were discussing about how easy it was to open a Tangerine account and said that they wished their banks were as flexible. This experience reinforced Tangerine's strategic importance to Scotiabank. It also shows why Tangerine, a bank that already has 2 million customers, is poised to grab an even bigger share of the 12 million Canadians who have identified themselves as direct ready. Another exciting development is the launch of Scotiabank's digital factory. Scotiabank already has developers, user experience designers, engineers, data scientists, creating digital solutions to reduce friction points in key customer areas. 
These include mortgages, day-to-day -day banking, small business loans, and credit cards. We're aiming to deliver the best onboarding experience and service in the market, bar none. In the case of online credit card applications, we have significantly improved the process to onboard new customers, which we can now do in just two minutes. What's more, our customers already have access to a much wider array of features to manage their cards, including applying for limit increases, enhancing card security when they travel, and receiving immediate notification of card usage. That's useful in our house. <laughs> when our new digital factory opens this spring, hundreds of employees from all parts of the bank, including technology and our business units, will be working side by side under one roof, pursuing one objective. That is building digital solutions that deliver a world-class customer experience. Finally, we've been busy building several important partnerships in the digital space. We know that collaboration is essential for driving success and evolving with our customers' expectations. That is why we were very pleased to recently launch the Scotiabank Center for Customer Analytics in partnership with the Smith School of Business at Queen's University. Scheduled to open this month, the center will be a key asset for Scotiabank in developing world-class analytic capabilities. I'm confident that this, that this innovative partnership will produce great solutions for our customers. Many people talk about digital as being disruptive. At Scotiabank, we're embracing the digital transformation to improve our capabilities, leverage the expertise of others, and better serve our customers. The bottom line is this. Scotiabank has a long-term strategy. It's the right strategy, and we will continue to do what's necessary to build an even better bank. In the same way, I would encourage political leaders to articulate and implement long-term growth plans to build an even better Canada. In particular, to boost economic growth, the government should develop a forward-looking industrial strategy. This strategy should focus on free and open trade, reinforced by smart investments in economic infrastructure and productivity. Trade has contributed to Canada's rise as a great and prosperous nation. Free and open markets help to create good, high-paying jobs and provide businesses with opportunities for growth. That is why we were very pleased by the news that Minister Freeland had signed the historic Trans-Pacific Partnership Agreement. The agreement will link Canadian goods and services and investments to more than 800 million consumers. It will also help to solidify Canada's advantageous position within the NAFTA supply chain. As Canada's international bank, Scotiabank already has operations in nine of the 12 PPP countries, with a particular focus on the Pacific Alliance. It is in Canada's national interest to ratify the TPP quickly, and when the agreement is implemented, Scotiabank will be able to help our Canadian and international customers take full advantage of the TPP marketplace and to grow the bank's services 
across the trading block. A strong trading network is an economic imperative, but without proper infrastructure, Canadians simply can't take full advantage of it. To put it another way, what good are open borders if we can't get some of our goods and services to other countries? That's why we support the Trudeau government's commitment to make sizable investments in the country's infrastructure. And during this time of slower economic growth, we would encourage the government to boost the amount and timing of these investments. However, careful thought should be given to selecting which infrastructure projects merit investment. The government should prioritize projects that will safely move people, ideas, and our abundant natural resources. Projects that are environmentally and socially responsible. Projects that will create jobs and serve Canadian families and communities for years to come. <coughs> One such project is the Energy East Pipeline, an entirely Canadian project that is good for all Canadians. According to a recently released economic impact study by the Conference Board of Canada, Energy East would create thousands of jobs. It would generate billions of dollars in tax revenues and inject tens of billions of dollars to the Canadian economy. And it would also help to address Canada's startling lack of energy infrastructure in an environment, environmentally responsible way. At a time when the price of oil is low, conversations about pipelines seem counterintuitive. But in fact, these conversations are long overdue and as timely now as ever. I'm reminded of the example set by the Right Honourable C.D. Howe, one of Canada's most successful cabinet ministers who helped transform Canada's economy post-World War II and help position Canada for future prosperity. In that time, debate raged over the construction of the Trans-Canada Pipeline, until one day C.D. Howe stood in the House of Commons and explained that the pipeline was, and I quote, truly national in scope, which we must either launch now or see languish for years to come. Shortly thereafter, construction of the pipeline began. And as it would happen, a portion of that pipeline could be converted for use in the Energy East project. Just as C.D. Howe argued then, we must make global market access for Canadian energy a national priority today and then make it a reality. Finally, a comprehensive industrial strategy must address productivity. As I've said, Canada's strong trading network creates enormous opportunities for Canadian businesses. It also opens Canadian firms up to greater competition, which can also make us stronger. While this is good news for consumers, it will present challenges for firms that have been slow to innovate. To boost Canada's productivity, government, industry, and researchers must work together and also do their share. Governments should do what they can to create an attractive environment for investment. That means keeping taxes competitive, supporting R&D, and reducing red tape. But governments can't do everything, nor should they try. The private sector must step up, take business risk, 
and invest in innovative solutions for the longer term. At the same time, colleges and universities must collaborate with industry. They should look at new and better ways to train Canadians for highly skilled jobs. Our partnership with the Smith School of Business is a good example. I'll close with this. I have the good fortune of regularly traveling across the bank's footprint and beyond. And when I travel, I proudly represent two brands. I'm a Scotia banker and I'm a Canadian. I can tell you that both brands are very highly regarded around the world. This is not an accident. It also is not a given. I can assure you that Scotiabank is committed to building an even better bank for the benefit of our customers, our stakeholders, and the communities where we serve. I would also encourage the federal government to do all that it possibly can to maintain Canada's strong reputation and position for the benefit of all Canadians. Once again, I want to thank you, Danny, and the entire Canadian Club team for the opportunity to be here today and thank all of you for your attention. Thank you very much. Wow. Uh, my name is Gillian Riley, and I'm the uh, director of the Canadian Club of Toronto and the executive vice president of Scotiabank uh, Canadian Commercial Banking. That was truly an outstanding speech, Brian. Um, I feel honored, I'm sure, on behalf of everyone that's here today to hear the words that you shared with us. Um, certainly in these times of uncertainty, and it's definitely challenging for all of us to hear your words are very, very comforting. And the changes and the things that you're looking at talking about is reassuring from such a seasoned and well-respected leader. The, the thing that I found very uh, interesting was the disconnect that can occur between market volatility and what's happening in the real economy. In such uncertain times, these issues are no doubt on all of our minds. We also found the comments regarding the need for forward-looking planning and a thoughtful, coordinated response to macroeconomic challenges enlightening. Your bold call for a new industrial strategy for our country is particularly thought-provoking, and the reference to C.D. Howe and the pipelines was very interesting as well. Brian, as a, as a fellow Scotia banker, I'm very impressed by your strong leadership, your client-centric vision, your commitment to the digital transformation that the bank is undertaking. We are well on our way to becoming an even better bank. Brian, thank you for your words today, and we wish you much continued success on behalf of all of us. So uh, thank you, and I would like to echo uh, Jillian's comments. And one of the things that I get to do as president of the club and I enjoy doing is reflecting on how an event fulfills our mandate. And I think Brian picked up on a couple of interesting things when he said, as a Scotia banker and as a Canadian. So why it's our pleasure to have uh, Brian Porter here today is the example of a Scotia Bank as a great Canadian company that is internationally focused in bringing those benefits home and an example that we can all follow confidently because it's worked. And number two, for Canadians to think about how we can engage the world, we can be productive, we can be leaders, and again, bring those benefits home to our own 
country to make sure that we remain a strong and viable, again, looking into the future as we have up to date. And there is no doubt, thank you, Brian, just to quote a phrase, that today, for having shared our podium with you, the Canadian Club feels richer than it thought it was for having you with us on this great auspicious Friday. Thank you very much. I would like to again thank our sponsors, EY, Scotiabank, and Tories LLP for making this legend possible, and of course, Air Canada for being our great supporter uh, throughout the season. Our program will be broadcast again on Rogers TV, and it's also available on webcast on our website. And we would also like to take an opportunity to thank Media Events CA, Canada's online event space, and VVC for streaming today's live streaming today's event. Thank you for joining us. Have a wonderful family day. Enjoy All-Star Weekend and hope you run into all of those All-Stars <laughs> and get those autographs for your, yourselves and your kids. Have a great afternoon. This meeting is now adjourned.